Hi, this is Kevin C. Mason from Jack Monkey Games, creator of Roll vs. Roll and Twitter geek extraordinaire, and you're listening to Legends of Tabletop. Hey everybody, this is John. And this is Vince. And you're listening to Legends of Tabletop. Creating legends one die at a time. Oh, that was fantastic. Welcome everybody to episode 90 of the Legends of Tabletop podcast. I was filling out the thing today and I said, holy crap, we're sitting at 90 episodes already. It's crazy. 90. 90. Okay, at some point you, you, you have to accept the, um, you have to get a new feat now. Okay, so yeah. now that you've done this, you have to get a new feat. You know, you probably should go and um, I would take uh, extra listeners and then um, also get a couple levels in. Um, so, oh, you're already doing the you're already doing the live. Okay, but that would give you a plus two to new listeners. And um, oh, yeah, now that I, I think you're good. <laughs> I think the the uh, the back the backstory of uh, master editor. <laughs> There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. After a while, you start to, uh, you can identify ums in, uh, in waveform. You go, ah, ah, there's an um, there's an um. Yep, absolutely. So uh, we have a thing on the front here called something cool. We'll jump into this thing. So what uh, cool stuff do you have going on these days? So right now we're moving house. Um, I don't know if you call that cool in, uh, I think, I think it's 43 Celsius here right now. Uh, don't ask me in Fahrenheit, but it's freaking hot. Mm-hmm. Um, what's really cool about this is that I'm going from this tiny little shack of a studio. If you guys have watched my YouTube video, it, it's it's literally a closet. Um, and it's now I get this extra long two car garage for my studio. Nice. And my wife, who is, by the way, just as geeky as I am, goes, oh, we can put the game table here and we can put your canvases over here. You can set up your server here. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. <laughs> so that's that's really cool. I'm very happy about that because I've got a lot of projects coming up. So well, that's good to hear. All right. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but you you're actually from the States here. You're uh yeah, so I apologize for anyone who's expecting uh, an Australian accent being the fact that I'm moving to a place called Emu Plains. Emu, Emu Plains. I still can't say the place that I'm living in. Um, it, so here I'm exotic um, because I have that California accent. I'm actually from Sacramento, California. We moved out here about, oh, seven years ago. And it's, it's pretty awesome. Australia is a pretty awesome place to be. Well, what was the uh, impetus? Um, so my wife, her best friend in high school married an Aussie. And so she's been coming back and forth for the last 20 years. And when she couldn't find work uh, being a copyright lawyer in the States because of the GFC crash, um, we were thinking, hmm, Australia free healthcare, um, 
you know, it's kind of nice there. And they're looking for lawyers and they pay bank for technicians. Okay, let's go. And uh, fortunately, because she's got a Juris Doctorate and environmental degree and all these other things in front of her name, they said, yeah, come on over. So the we arrived here. I had showed up as a permanent resident, took two steps on uh, into Sydney and went, wow, this is cool. And I love it. I cool. absolutely love it. But the, but the spiders are like this big, right? I mean, bigger than your head. You have... <laughs> you have no idea. Okay, the first time I saw a spider, I'm sitting here, and I, 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 I walk into my friend's uh, kitchen, and I scream like a child. I'm like, ah! Okay, this thing was freaking huge. It was so big. I was expecting some hobbits to come take it on, okay? <laughs> it was that big. And then my friend comes in thinking, okay, what's going on? You know, has he, has he cut himself? Has he fallen down? What's happened? And he looks down and goes, Oh mate, that's a baby. Oh, and look, the cat the, the cat already got to it and ate half of it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what? So uh, and by the way, it was a huntsman spider, which is perfectly harmless. In fact, if you see a huntsman spider, you should let it uh, let it do its thing. They're actually pretty friendly. They eat the one they eat the spiders that can kill you. So, you know, feed them a couple flies, you know, a couple cockroaches. You know, they're, 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 you know, they don't eat much. They don't bite much. They scare the hell out of you when you're in the kitchen, you know, but other than that, they're, they're, they're pretty good. Right. Right. That's crazy. <laughs> well, so, so it turned out, turned out well for you guys then. I, yeah. You don't have to answer this one, but then I just wonder, you know, being, you know, from the States here, but being a resident there, do you vote and do you vote generally in the elections here or? Yes, I do. Or, okay, good. Yes, I do. Cause I, I tell you, um, I became a global citizen when I was, it was during the last election, not, well, sorry, the election before that, okay, it was for uh, Obama's re-election, regardless of where people stand on their view on him, okay, this was purely the reaction I got from an Australian, okay, an Australian who served in Vietnam alongside Americans, okay. So we're in what is called an RSL, uh, and RSL is the equivalent of a USO. So it caters towards uh, retired um, uh, military staff for their service, um, and all proceeds are supposed to go. It, it's a nonprofit. It's kind of like a nonprofit casino um, bar kind of thing where all the profits go towards veterans. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, sounds um, good. So I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm, I'm drinking my beer, by the way, Australian beer, really good. And this, this Australian guy next to me, um, he's watching the election. And this guy, he's, you know, he, he's pretty old. He's pretty old. And he's like, he was so happy that Obama had won. Now, his, I asked him, so what's going on? He says, well, I'm afraid that the other guy is going to take us to war. And he says, you know something? When Americans die, Australians die because Australians have America's back. And at that point, my, I was like, oh my gosh, here's all these Australians watching what happens in America 
because they're concerned about what's going on. Mm. And at that point, I became a global citizen. Um, I, so I still, I, I, I'm going to become a dual citizen next year. Oh, cool. Uh, sorry, this year I'm going to be a dual citizen, so I'll get to vote in both places and um, hopefully make a little bit of a difference in, uh, in you know, in, in whatever, in my direction, which I won't go into. Uh, if you're on my Twitter feed, you'll figure it yeah. out. But <laughs> sure, sure. I'm not shy. Yeah. I'm not I, shy. Typically, we, you know, I mean, we, we don't, you know, engage in politics on, on the show because that's that's a losing battle. But, I, you know, I just I wonder about it because, you know, it's not often that, you know, you get to talk to somebody who's, you know, from the U.S. living somewhere else permanently. So I just, you know, figure beg the question to, you know, it's interesting for me to find out, you know, whether or not it's just like, ah, I'm not there. I don't care. Or, yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I'm totally invested. It's it's very interesting because Australians actually watch American politics like a hawk. In fact, it's not uncommon to encounter an Australian who knows more about American politics and American laws than they do about Australian laws and politics. It's um, and and, it, and it's because America does have such an in, impact on the rest of the world. Um, not saying that you know Australia is better in that regards, um, because um, you know Australia has got some pretty. Yeah, crazy. Um, let's see. I've been here for seven years, and then um, there's been uh, I have yet to see an entire uh, a prime minister go through a full term. Hmm. So um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Hmm, that's weird. Okay. All right. Um, so you mentioned a little bit. You guys are moving. You you've been through a little bit of you know personal upheaval. You know recently here people who follow you on twitter are, are aware of it yeah you got laid off you're you know moving you know across town and all so how are you holding up how are you guys doing um it's been pretty tough um so the day before i signed uh, or signed the lease on this new place um uh, my entire team got pulled into the into a conference room and we're talking to the global the the person who's globally in charge of our department and said it's not because you guys are not, you know, are not performing properly, but um, it's purely a financial decision, and we're going to let all of you go. Man. You, you and, know what's coming, right? When the whole group gets pulled in, you're like, oh, this is not good. Oh, oh, yeah. See, we, we are walking in. I'm like, HR's there. It's a red wedding. And so we, because we just got, we just had one, uh, like, not too long ago. There was another, we call it the red wedding, because they wine and dine you the, dine you the day before. Um, and so we're expecting this whole, uh, you know, it's like HR's there. It's like, uh, HR's never in, the, in these meetings. And I'm like, okay, here it comes. And I was right. Um, which, uh, it's a bit stressful. Uh, fortunately, we're in a spot where um, the payout was pretty nice. Um, and we're at a spot now where the rent is much cheaper where we're moving. That's good. And my wife, um, who also was made redundant, um, but fortunately they relocated her into another department. So she's oh, going through her other stress. It's not gonna affect us financially, but it's it's pretty crazy right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that that happened to me my my first uh, official lab job out of college i worked there for about a year you know getting ready to buy a house and everything just you know we signed the papers and everything and it was the same thing company that i worked for was like a subsection of a larger company larger company got bought we got shut down and uh yeah we did unemployment and then you know i was working like six part-time jobs and you know was eventually locked into a place where i was at for like 17 years after that doing the same same kind of work so it sucks (laughs) yeah yeah well this is going to give us enough opportunity though um because the the problem I had with getting role versus role out was that I was always working. I yeah. didn't have the time to do the work. And with um, with our other projects coming out soon, I now have taken a look at our timeline and went, uh, I could do this in half the time now because I actually have the time to do the work. So we're um, we're going to start working on more of a production schedule so that will be interesting okay well, that will be interesting good all right so uh you know superheroes all have their origin stories and how they got their powers and all that kind of stuff what's what's mm-hmm. your gaming origin story how did, how did you get sucked into the hobby okay so i have always been uh this kid with great imagination um in fact that was considered i had so much imagination as a kid um my father saw that as a disadvantage and that i had my head in the clouds and that sort of thing so one day we're up in the mountains with uh on the coast and um i was what 10 and um i was climbing on this tree we had a bunch of other families that are all at, at this kind of trailer park kind of thing and I fell and landed on barbed wire. Ooh. So, um, 10 stitches, you know, as a kid, pretty traumatic. But now, in the middle of summer, I'm not allowed to go swimming. I'm, my, my stepmother became helicopter parent, so I'm stuck in the house. <laughs> and this older kid said, hey, I got this game. And he pulls out this red box. And it was D&D. And it was the most amazing thing ever. So I became absolutely obsessed. And um, the problem with being a broke kid is that you can't quite go and afford to buy a box set like that. Mm -hmm. So I went and bought a 30-sided dice because that was the coolest looking one. Um, and it was also cheap because no one could figure out what to do with it. So I had a 30-sided die. That was it. And now what? So I got a notebook and started writing down rules. And so the first, I actually have not played D&D other than that first time for almost five to six years later, but I gamed every day. (laughs) And it was this home, it was this organic homebrew that me and my buddies put together and it was an absolute blast. That's cool. Did uh, were there other things that you you got involved with at that time, or just sort of like that homebrew kind of system? Um, well, we did the homebrew for a while. Um, then I discovered Shadowrun. Um, I also did BattleTech and a little bit of D and D. Did a lot 
of anything I could get my hands on from West End Games. <laughs> anything West End Games. I was the total West End Games fanboy. So be it Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Masterbook, Torg. Mm-hmm. Torg. Um, in fact, I even I even still have a Torg deck around here somewhere. In a box. <laughs> it's in a box somewhere. Yeah, everything's in boxes. <laughs> um, so I did a lot of that. And I, I found that I liked playing games where not everyone knew the rules. Because I hated dealing with rules with lawyers. Especially if they knew the game better than I did. So if it was an obscure game system, I would pick it up. Um, which is why I picked up Shadowrun. And... I found that running games like that, it was, um, it would tend to be more role play heavy because no one knew the rules. So because you didn't know the rules, you didn't know how to bump this stat to get this bonus to do extra damage in case of a left-handed goblin who is temporarily blinded by a storm giant who has a cold um, it's you really start to do some pretty heavy role playing, and um, some of my friends didn't like that. But eventually, I found a really good group that just just loved it. Yeah, I, I've I've gotten into uh, more of the role role play aspect of it as I've gotten older. Like it's still fun to you know swing a sword and hack up monsters or. You know, oh, yeah. pick the locks and do all that kind of stuff. But like, like we were talking before we got on air, the Fear itself game is is so RP heavy. I mean, you know, there'll be sessions where we might not even roll dice at all because it's just all story and character interaction. Well, and and that's it. You know, um, I, I make I poke fun at murder hobos all the time on Twitter, and uh, though I want to put out that I actually don't mind murder hobos. If everyone on the same, if everyone's on the same page, sure. okay, I have no problems with a with an absolute, you know, um, uh, natural born killers uh, murder spree. You know, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that, um, as long as that's what everyone else is on who who says, hey, yeah, that would be great, mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, it's when you've got a mixed group, and you've got polarizing I- ideals. So you've got someone who wants to go and talk about the relationships between the various characters and, and, and um, you know, want to influence the NPCs into um, getting into a relationship with somebody else. And the other person's like, yeah, let's stab him. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> because it's not fun for either one. As long as everyone's on the same page, then go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's, that's one of the reasons why I, I, yeah, I do poke fun at murder hobos because, well, it's fun. Um, uh, yeah, that and, you know, I've, I've had a, a couple really bad murder hobos in, in some of my previous games. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of caused some trouble for some plots that I'd spent hours <laughs> and hours writing. Yeah, that happens. Well, and and that's a little bit too. I mean, like when you're getting ready to to sit down and and start, you know, maybe a new campaign, or you know, maybe you're just running a one shot, you know, to kind of get, you know, find out what the players are looking for before you even start and see like what kind of a game are we going to run here, and and you know, you kind of work out that stuff on the front end and be like, okay, 
I know I need to write this way because, you know, this half of the group is going to want this and this half's going to want that. Or, you know, everybody's in for, you know, murder and mayhem. Well, one of the things that I have done is I have a spreadsheet now that I run. And when I'm running a game, first of all, I always set the expectations of what I want to do in a game. I want to say, okay, guys, this is going to be pretty heavy uh, role play. Um, there will be combat. I'll try to make it so it's exciting. But for the most part, it's going to be role play. Or I'm going to say, roll two characters. Get two characters, get them ready, because it's going to be bloody. Um, when, you have, when you set the appropriate expectations, then everyone know that they're set and they know what kind of fun they're going to have. I have seen the murder hoboist, murder hoboist? Um, player turn into a heavy role player because we said immediately, okay, this is going to be a political game. We're going to be discussing concepts of doesn't artificial intelligence have a soul? And because he knew that from the get-go, he was completely okay with the idea of just role-playing. Mm-hmm. Now, I threw in a whole bunch of combat to... Uh, to uh, to spice things up a little bit. And he thought that was even better, but he was prepared for those long-winded conversations. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, that's good. I, that's the way to do it, for sure. Well, you know, it, you'd be surprised what you can get away with if you ask for permission first. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, because it's, you know, it's cooperative storytelling. I mean, you know, the players are just as much a driving factor as what's going on in the game is, you know, the story that GM wants to tell, so. Yeah, well, it's like with the spreadsheet, what I do is that I mark down, every time I give someone a point, an experience point or something for good role playing, I mark down on what is it for? Is it for comedy? Is it for them being adventurous? Is it because they, it was this badass battle? Um, Was it for heavy role play? And then um, whoever gets the least amount of points in a session is the topic of my next game. Mm. Um, but what I do is that part of that spreadsheet, I get an idea of what the campaign's like. Interesting. So it's, so I know that that is what they tend to like, um, tend, tend, because I'd also do use the spreadsheet to realize I haven't run combat in a while. Mm. Okay. I need to throw some more combat. So I, I can also use it for balance to try and figure out, um, I mean, like all statistics, um, you know, it does take a little bit of interpretation. Sure, sure. That's cool. That's interesting. Um, when did you start Jack Monkey Games and, and what were you, you know, trying to accomplish when you started? Did you have a plan in mind when you, you know, decided to, you know, get everything going? Well, so... My wife is very much on, um, okay, put your money where your mouth is. And I, uh, I was working, I, I've been running this homebrew called Starfall for like 20 some odd years. And I've got all these worlds in my head and my wife's like, you need to write them down. Well, we also need funding to do that. So what we've decided we were going to do is start off one Kickstarter project and we were going to start a concept of it, get our, get our feet wet, see how, it likes, uh, how we like it, and then use the funding from that to not only get the product out, but to start funding our next project. Mm-hmm. So 
a lot of the things that we've been doing with Roll versus Roll is nothing more than a setup for a product that's not going to be released in another two to three years. <laughs> All right. Long-term planning. That's good. Long-term planning. Um, in fact, um, I will let you know there's a lot of Easter eggs in the card deck that people won't realize are exactly that until after we publish the final product. Nice. So um, I, now my current players are like, oh my God, this card has this in it. That's awesome. <laughs> and, you know, they're excited because they, they get it. They get it. Um, and it's like there's, there's one that even has, uh, there's a coffee mug in, in one of the images that is uh, actually an Easter egg. Um, and it, it's just the saying on the, uh, on, the, uh, on the coffee cup is enough to um, hint to a story that hasn't been published yet. Hmm. Interesting. That's, is that the one with you drinking the, the coffee? No, no, that one, uh, that one domesticated that now that that bit of artwork was fun because that literally was me first thing in the morning. And then I was like, huh, I'm working on this card called domesticated snap. And I took it. <laughs> that was it. That was it. Cool. I, the art is the art is really is really is, I mean, it has like a painted quality to it. I, I really like the art it came out really well. Thank you. Um, so by nature, I am actually an artist. So um, in fact, my, my wife sometimes argues that I should be spending more time actually doing art than gaming stuff. Um, oh, darn. Uh, you know, it's all about the balance. Um, so the art with this is I take a photograph and then I actually, instead of putting it through a filter, um, you know, so it's not like one of these, uh, you know, Instagram snap filters or uh, was it Prism or whatever is the app is, works now. Yeah. Um, what I do is I actually hand paint the entire image to give it that painted feel. And then I Photoshop things into it. So like there's a there was one image of uh, I, I'll like I'll grab a public domain image and then I tweak it to hell so it's a, this new uh, creation. So, for example, the, uh, the one called Runaway, which is this cop running away from this giant crab. Um, this giant crab is actually a compilation of five or six different crabs. Um, a robot that I found, um, I found the legs of this robot, and then I added other pieces to it and add armor belts and, oh, look, here's a gun. Okay, let me tweak this a little bit. Okay, and pow, it's a new, new expression. Mm. So it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, in fact, um, some of the people in there are actually my friends that I've actually taken photos of them and said, hey, look, Ilya, you're now in space. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Uh, I'm, I'm going back and forth in the chat, which is why I seem a little bit distracted. Uh, Tom's in the chat again, and he says, uh, why not just um, put together some campaigns and kickstart those as, as a book for the, you know, for your long-term project, as opposed to sort of ramping up, just be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, set down some, you know, quick start rules or, or, you know, that sort of thing. Well, what we did is... Uh, Roll versus Roll was actually for that very purpose that is to kind of test the waters of Kickstarter because I had been listening to Kickstarter podcasts, I've read all the blogs, 
And but I had a general idea of what I wanted to do, but I still wanted to figure out is this even going to work? And I did run a Kickstarter campaign, which we canceled because we found out one extremely critical bit of information. And that is 90% of the people who are visiting the web page and 90% of the backers were in the US, not Australia. We were thinking it was going to be the other way around. So when it comes to manufacturers, in order to deliver these decks, we would have to have it manufactured in China, shipped to Australia, unboxed, repackaged, and then shipped overseas again. Jeez. <laughs> and we're looking at this and we're like, it's gonna cost us three times the amount of a deck. Mm -hmm. Holy cow. So that yeah. one bit of information was, uh, was enough for us to, um, uh, to decide, okay, this is, this is what we're gonna do. Um, the other thing is, is that we need some severe equipment upgrades. Um, uh, you've probably seen the post of my cracked computer screen. Mm -hmm. um, I'm using a seven-year-old Mac, um, which when you consider that I'm actually a um, Mac genius, um, I actually no longer work for Apple, uh, but that thing is running just because, the only reason why it's still running is because I've been cannibalizing other parts. Um, I've you know, got the software purring as much as I possibly can, and it just can't keep up anymore. So these Kickstarters are, are going to make it so we can actually afford to exist at the same time as slowly start to do the upgrades we need. Um, that, and I find that the slow build has a long, is, has, a, has more impact. And I'm thinking that if I can produce like roll versus roll and just make that the best I possibly can, learn about this whole publishing thing, learn about distributing these products, learn about um, what I need to do for marketing, which by the way, podcast advertising is a great idea. Very affordable. <laughs> uh, you know, it's um, things like that. Learn these things on these smaller projects. And then as we build up to these larger, have the experience necessary to not only um, make it work, but actually produce the best thing possible. Mm -hmm. Okay, that all makes sense. Um, so we're, we're talking about role versus role. I will jump around mm -hmm. here to questions a little bit. How, what was the, what's the origin story for that? How did, how did role versus role come about? So um, I have a really large game group, um, which barely ever shows up um, at any one time because <laughs> life, you know, we're all yeah, adults. Sure. Yep. And um, I had this lovely new player and she sat down and everyone's doing heavy role playing and she's staring at her character sheet and she has no idea what to do. Hmm. She sees these numbers, there are all these strange concepts and she was just absolutely lost. And we couldn't, we couldn't break her away from the character sheet. She couldn't get into character. Now, I was thinking, okay, but what happens if we were to give her something else to think about? Give her something else, a tangible goal to go towards. 
that would force her to do some role playing. So I came up with role versus role. Um, and what role versus role is, is for those people not familiar with, it's a, it's a deck of cards. Currently we have 40 cards, um, which more are in production. Um, and what these cards have is a role playing goal. So for example, there might be one which is rage. So you're at some point you are supposed to absolutely lose it in battle. And I'm not talking just, you know, battle cry. I'm talking kicking the body after you've annihilated it. This is the murder hobo card. Okay, you just <laughs> okay. In fact, murder hobos would have picked the pockets and moved on. You're supposed to go beyond that. Um or guilt. Um, you know, the card where you've done something and you're supposed to role play in a way that you feel guilty for something you've done. Um, or debt. Debt is where you should either repay a, um, a debt or get into debt with somebody. Creating these role play hooks for the GM. Well, what happens is the GM goes, dishes out five to three to five cards to every player, and you look at the cards and you go, huh. Well, this doesn't fit, this doesn't fit, this doesn't fit. Ooh, domesticated. Okay, I'm going to put this one in. And sometime through the game, in a subtle fashion, you're supposed to show your domestic life. You know, talk about where you keep your coffee can. Um, you know, is your hair messed up in the morning? Talk about the, you know, do you have pets? That sort of thing. Um, you know, what do you do when you're not adventuring? And what that does is that gives the GM those hooks. They start thinking, huh, you know, what are we going to, you know, oh, okay, well, they have a pet. You know, maybe someone steals their cat. It makes it easier for the GM and really fleshes out the characters. And it, it does it in a way that isn't too intrusive. You don't have to stop and talk about your character's backstory. You don't have to stop and take time away from the GM. I mean, even just looking at the cards, trying to figure out which one you want to pick, you're starting to develop your character. You're mm -hmm. starting to think, okay, how could I talk about my domestic life? Or how am I going to be an action hero? You know, wh what sort of crazy stunt am I going to do in this adventure? You start thinking about what would my character do? And that, that really fosters and, and provides a good environment for role playing. Um, in our playtesting, um, we had uh, this guy go and he take he took these the roll versus roll cards and he said his group was pretty pretty heavily murder hobos and he says he's never seen them role play this much <laughs> which I thought was pretty damn awesome I wish he was recording it because I would love to have <laughs> have, have actually watched that yeah no that's cool I, and that's that's the best kind of feedback right to have that sort of a group really embrace it just you know, from looking at a car, just kind of get that, you know, break that nut open and just kind of get them rolling a little bit. And then, you know, a lot of times players just kind of just run with it. Well, and that's the thing, you know, um, you know, some people joke that murder hobos are a lesser form of role playing. Um, and it's not, not. Um, I mean, most in most cases, it's just that there isn't enough character development for them to enjoy anything else. So right. if they develop their character, um, then maybe they will enjoy having that conversation with the king without stabbing him twice. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
Um, it's, and it's non-specific, so you could use roll versus roll in your Shadowrun game, and your D and D game, your you know, Rogue Trader game, whatever whatever you're playing, you can, you can work those aspects into the story. Yeah, we've we've specifically designed it so it is um, non. It's 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 game agnostic. So I've personally tested it with Shadowrun. It worked really well. Um, I've run it with a D6 system, um, which works really well. Um, in both cases, I find that the reward for fulfilling the requirement is extra XP um, or a bonus, uh, you know, or you can say, okay, well, you get a bonus for this. So it leaves it open for the GM to decide what the reward is. Um, I've heard stories of people running it in the Cypher system uh, and Numenera and giving out free ciphers for people that are, are doing uh, that complete these cards um, or extra um, uh, extra XP which in that game is a pretty big deal because you can use it to avoid a GM intrusion mm -hmm. so it's a lot of a lot of good stuff there sure sure all right, I'm going to switch tactics here a little bit with all the mm -hmm. running around that you've been doing are you using coffee to kind of keep that engine running What's that? I, I got the, the, it was like, blah, 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 blah. It's oh, Australian internet. Oh, okay. So uh, are you uh, using coffee to keep your engine primed and running as you uh, move houses and do all these crazy things? I am a coffee addict. In fact, the first thing we did was um, move in a coffee, cup, a coffee pot. After the, the Numenera and Shadowrun books was the coffee pot. Um, it, it's absolutely required there. Uh, and, um, yeah, coffee, it's a, it's a thing. It's a thing. Okay. Have, have you, uh, tried Bird's Coffee? Have you, uh, have you heard of it before? I've heard of it. I can't because the import <laughs> to Australia, um, unfortunately, though I am the exact demographic, unfortunately, it probably won't be cost effective for us being the fact that we are in, uh, well, you know, Australia. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, I'll tell you a little bit about it so we can uh, just, um, you know, kind of get you jealous of the, us here in the States. So Birds of a Feather Coffee Company roasts unique craft coffees in small batches, so it's always fresh. I just placed an order. Uh, it was mm -hmm. roasted within a few days and sent to me absolutely fresh. When I opened up my mailbox this morning or this afternoon, I could smell the coffee. I got so excited when I came in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh I know what's in here. <laughs> Uh, their signature blends showcase the amazing breadth and depth of flavors that coffee has to offer. Uh, the Morning Lark blend, for instance, is a bright, complex coffee with a lot of layers, from the structured roasted malt base to the honeyed sweetness that finishes with hints of citrus and spice. I've never actually had that one because I prefer a darker roast, and usually the, mm -hmm. uh, the Night Owl blend is my, is my favorite. Uh, but it'll wake up your taste buds in the morning, noon, or night. And I actually have a cup right now that I'm drinking. Uh, I got in a legendary test blend today, which tastes pretty fantastic. So uh, I think we're going to be moving forward ahead with that pretty soon. So I'm, I'm excited about that. But uh, nice. Yeah. So all good stuff. And, and Neil's, uh, you know, part of the part of the show. And 
and also runs uh, Two Black Eyes podcast. So we're keeping it all in the family here. So if anybody wants to check that out, it's uh, birdscoffeecompany.com, and uh, you can tell them that we sent you. Nice, nice. In fact, uh, next time I'm in the state, uh, see, they won't let me import it. Err. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll you have to send it to my. It while you're here. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm just going to have to do is visit you guys. That's that's what I'm going to have to do. There you go. There you go. We got my my spare bedroom is taken up by the uh, the huge Battletech table, but uh, we could we can sleep you under the table. I can sleep. Maybe. On, yeah, I was going to say I can sleep on it for for good coffee and Battletech. I'll sleep under the table. <laughs> I played, uh, I used to play Battletech, uh, a guy introduced me to it, I guess like maybe like, we might have still been in high school at the time, I think, maybe college, maybe last year in high school, and man, we, we would set up, so the, again, the back bedroom, we had squads of, of sheets taped up on the wall, and like, you know, 10 boards set up on the floor, you know, we'd, we'd leave class, come home, make lunch, and play Battletech for hours. <laughs> So much fun. My, uh, the biggest board that we ever had was um, we, we've, we did City Tech. Mm-hmm. We get, we, so we did City Tech on both, both sides. And then what we did is that we put Aerotech in the middle with two planets. Nice. So, <laughs> and then we did invasions back and forth. And that game must have lasted a month. And we were, we were at the end having to fight with urban mechs because that was all that was left. Yeah. It was a brutal, it was pretty brutal. Yeah. We used to, we didn't do the, well, yeah, we used to use the VTOLs and stuff like that. We never did any of the space stuff, but yeah, we'd set up, you know, city maps and we'd have you know hidden bases and you'd write down the hex number and stuff and you'd try to find the base and destroy it and all that wow yeah we we had a hard time because the you know the drop ships you had to try and knock out these drop ships before they landed and that was that was pretty pretty intense yeah always a lot of fun all right um so when i was looking you have a, a pdf of of all the cards that are available it looks like they're broken in into four separate subsets or am i looking at that wrong you had uh, jack monkey at action hero run away out of your depth or so what we've got um we we try to get the cards as balanced as possible so we've got cards that are going to be entertaining like combat expert so if you get the combat expert card, you're supposed to describe your action, not I swing to hit. You're like, I use my dragon fist and upward cut and add some excitement to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to have you know, the exciting stuff, um, you know, like action hero and combat expert, um, rage. At the same time, I also wanted to have like, how you doing? Um, you know, the card where you're supposed to flirt with an NPC. Um, uh, So I wanted to make sure that they're all nice and balanced. Um, We're still working, we've got another 20 cards that we want to add in an expansion pack, which is going to even further um, make that nice nice and balanced. But uh, for the most part, it's, it's it's only one deck. It's only, it's only one deck, but it's, it's balanced as we can. Sure, sure. Okay. 
Cool. Um, and and what do people get when they order roll versus roll? What are what are we looking at here? So there's a couple ways you can get it. Um, you can get the um, the actual physical deck, and that is through Games Crafter, and that's going for fourteen dollars um, USD. I always have to remember American dollars, <laughs> American dollars. Um, so that's a that's a very uh, fourteen dollars, and it's forty cards and two blank cards. Which, by the way, anybody who fills out one of those blank cards, let me know because if I really like it, I, I will recreate it and put give you credit, give you credit if you let me let me use it. Um, I, I not to mention, you know, even if you don't want me to use it, uh, I like to hear what other people what other people are able to create. So it's got two blank decks or two blank cards in it, and then of course the instructions, which is only two sided. It's only it's one card that's just two sided. It's it's that easy to use. Cool, very cool. Uh, then um, you can get the no. Go ahead. Uh, then you can get the print and play version, uh, and the print and play version is a whopping three dollars American. And, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and that's just the PDF version. Um, print it out. Um, in fact, the deck that I'm currently using is uh, one that we used from that, and then we laminated it. Um, and we've got we've we've got some of the models that I've used had signed it, so that's um, or, that's or cool. are going to sign it. So it's going to be a it's going to be a specialized deck because um, I, I I like the idea of the prototype. I'm actually using the prototype. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for those people that are like, ah, screw that. That's just too expensive. Um, we have a $1 version, which doesn't have the art. It has all the text, just not the art. Um, and those are available through uh, DriveThruRPG. Uh, you got to get it with the art. The art makes a card. I mean, it has the gist of, of you know, what you're trying to get out of a, you know, role-play scenario. But but the art, you know, some of it's humorous, some of it's, it, it really ties everything together. Uh, thank you, thank you. That was kind of what I was uh, I was working for was to it was to make the art actually appeal to the card and maybe inspire somebody. And of course, there's some Easter eggs in it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find the same thing with board games. Like, you know, you get very basic things. I mean, uh, we I did the print and play for um, uh, Warco War Company uh, by Brandon mm-hmm. Rollins, and you know, we played through. It's like, ah, is this going to be good? Is it not? And it's like, ah, you know, plays okay. But it's just you know text on little cards. So I went you know and I ordered it, and it's and it's great. You know it's so much better with the art. Like it's the same game, but it just it pops so much more when you have that completed thing in front of you. Well, and that's one of the nice things about actually being the artist is that I have absolute complete artistic control, um, which has given me a chance to really expand my artistic uh, skills in this, um, and try to tell my story without it being filtered through somebody else. Right. Cool. Uh, Tom's, Tom's got an, a card idea. He's typing in the chat here. Uh, card mm-hmm. for dirty fighting. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Um, have him send me a message when I release the expansion. <laughs> Do you hear that, Tom? Send a message. 
Which, by the way, uh, anybody who on Twitter, I, I, I'm about the most talkative guy possible. I will talk to anyone about role-playing. And that's actually one of the one of the comments I have here in my notes is that you are super active on Twitter, uh, always engaging. You're always posting questions. You're always looking for conversation. I mean, you're you're on there the way I wish that I could be on and and engage with you know people who are listening to the show and all. You are you are there. It seems like you don't sleep because every time I'm on, you're posting. Something. <laughs> well, okay. To- to be fair, I do use um, Hootsuite to kind of filter out uh, some of those questions. Um, I I have a uh, have a belief with that. Let, let's. I'm not going to hide it. I use Twitter as marketing. Okay, I'm not going to lie about that. But I have a I have a rule, which is to contribute, don't distribute. So I myself only allow myself to plug role versus role once out of every 15 times I post something. And it's gotta be something of value, either so showing that, hey, look, I'm a real human, uh, I'm not this big corporation, because look, my hair's messed up and I'm yes. drinking coffee, you know? <laughs> Too bad it's not birds of a feather coffee. Um, but, you know, um, uh, or I'm talking about role-playing. And here's something that I found. I'm learning more about role-playing and being a game master just from listening or listening, reading the text, the comments. Oh my gosh, they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been a couple times that I've actually changed my opinion about a few things. Um, like the, the whole concept that murder hobos aren't necessarily bad actually came, from, I learned that from Twitter from the conversations uh, because I used to be like, you know, uh, we're going to build a wall to put the, you know, the murder hobos over here, you know? Um, and I've actually changed my, my opinion of that because working with, uh, you know, these other Twitter guys, they're like, Oh no, no, no. You know, um, murder hobos isn't bad. Just, you know, long as they're not screwing it up for everybody else. That's great. You know, cause there's nothing, if you can play a sociopath, yeah. <laughs> in a in a group, and and have it fit, right? You know, um, so I learned. I, I've been learning a lot from Twitter. I've been learning a lot, um, you know, game mastering techniques and role playing techniques, and it's it's all there because Twitter Sphere has got a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, there's there's and, and we're you know we're friends with a lot of the same people and you know whatever, and uh, there's there's a really good group on Twitter that, you know, collectively we're all following. And then, like you said, a lot of experience and people are coming from different backgrounds, you know, social, cultural, you know, male, female, like everybody has a different, um, you know, different place that they're coming from when they play. So yeah, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of good exchange of information and stuff that that can be had there. Certainly a lot of good conversations and, uh, you know, quite a few of which you're, you're starting yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I try to start um, as many conversations as, as possibly can. Um, and like a good role-playing session, there's been many times I've come back, you know, I'll wake up in the morning and there's like 90 Twitter messages on my phone. I'm like, I'm just scrolling, scrolling. And it's something <laughs> I started. It's this really great conversation. And I'm like, wow, these two just really went back and forth about this. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely cool. Um, 
what are you so you'd mentioned you brought the new Monero book in uh so i know you're you're playing a lot of that uh what else are you playing so um Numenera, um, which, to be honest, I haven't actually run a game on that yet. Um, life has been in the way, um, but I do have some pre-generated characters um, all ready to go, because my group, they don't like to roll up characters, they just want to start. Okay. okay. So I, I've got the pre-generated characters ready for them to go. Um, in fact, I think I'm going to break in the new gaming table area with that. Um, nice. uh, Shadowrun, do a lot of Shadowrun. Uh, do a lot of Starfall, the homebrew. Um, that's that's actually the big one that everyone wants me to run, um, because they're always the players are like, I want to find out what happens next, or yeah. you know, because there's there's a they've they're most invested in Starfall. Okay, uh, has that been the the um, longer running campaign? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because there's 20 years worth of backstory. So um, I've got NPCs that have been through the game three or four times, and I've kind of refined them to the point where, okay, I know what they're going to do. They, they've kind of had their own life now. Um, so that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, the other thing we're doing is a lot of board games. So um, at our house, the, the, big, the big one that we really enjoy is The Captain is Dead, which is, uh, you can find it on a Games Crafter. Uh, I backed it on uh, Kickstarter, and that is a lot of fun. We well, played that a lot. lot. I, that's a cooperative where um, you're on a spaceship, and, you know, it's like a Star Trek episode if Picard was to die in the first five minutes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and the chaos that happens after that. Uh, and it's a losing battle. Um, I've played it uh, 15 times and only won, like, three times. So... It's uh, it is a lot of fun. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, um, Tom's in the chat. He's excited about a little bit of uh, Shatter Run. So if you're if you're gonna go uh, roll twenty, he's he's up for a game. If you want to uh, expand the universe a little bit. <laughs> ooh, ooh, yeah. I, I actually, you know what I need to do? I actually need to play. I'm I'm the the once in every other GM. Um, so I, I need to uh, I actually need to play more. Mm-hmm. I've got some. I've got this wolf shaman I need to break out again. Oh, there you go. So, uh, so you end up finding out that you're the uh, the player or the uh, the GM for the most part. Yeah, for the most part. Um, it's my wife likes to say it's because I'm always on stage, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, she she says that as a player I do okay, um, but as a GM is where I really excel. Hmm. Okay. Uh, some people just have a, a knack for that, just to, you know, grab a hold and, you know, like work the room and then kind of, you know, set the stage. So that that's not a bad thing. It, that's a compliment, for sure. No, no. No, it's not a bad thing. It's just uh, uh, a game night. It's like, uh, who's going to jam? Everyone looks at me like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, it, I guess that gets kind of old. So when you when you find that you get a chance to actually play in a game, does it sort of like recharge the batteries for you? It does. Um, in fact, one of the things I've learned is that I try to play systems that I don't know. Um, and if I do play systems like that I know, um, I'm always trying to play a passive character um, 
you know, support character. This is why I'm always playing clerics. Um, because I find that it's not, it's not my show anymore. And I want to make sure that I contribute to the players, as, uh, the storyline, as much as possible. Um, I wasn't always that way. I used to dominate uh, the, uh, the, uh, the game board or the, the game table. Um, and um, uh, not that everyone didn't have fun, but they didn't have as much fun as they could have. Okay. You know, it, it's uh, so I, I, I've learned to be a more passive player. Yeah. Yeah, that that's one of the things that I worry about. Like, you know, when we play is like for the Rogue Trader game, I'm the face for the for the fear itself game with the loss of, of uh, Eric's character. I kind of migrated to that role. So, I, you know, I kind of like eh, I like it, but I, I don't want to feel like I'm the one kind of like running the show sort of thing, you know, so it's, it's hard to to kind of find that happy medium and, and it's things that we discuss like outside the game be like hey was that a good session for you guys i don't you know i didn't step on anybody's toes like you know you just kind of have to be cognizant of it and you know make sure everybody's kind of getting their moment to you know do what they want to do well one of the things that i've done is um i i do a uh, i have a mental counter and i make sure that everyone has moved recently before i, I, I come up with an idea um, and that seems to work out really well, unless we've got a really passive player, and at that point, there's not much I can really do. Yeah, yeah. Well, you just try to engage them, then you know, if they're just sitting there, because yeah. I, I try to do that with the rogue, you know. And the rogue trader is very different because, like, you're the captain, like you're pretty much called the shots. But you know, I try to like engage the other players, like, oh, hey, Kane, what do you think? Or you know, Jarnan, what do you think? And try to you know pull those characters into the conversation, even if it. You know, you know, if it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation, you just kind of look and be like, hey, what do you guys think? You know, sort of yeah. try to draw them in. I've, I've been thinking that the next game I, I, I get into, if there's one like those, I'm just going to put down the deck of Roll versus Roll in front of the GM and back off. And if he wants to use it or she <laughs> wants to use it, great. You know, but it's there. <laughs> it's there if they want to use it. Um, yeah, I, um, I, I find that... Um, I almost enjoy, and I've learned this from um, listening to actual play podcasts, is I enjoy listening as much as I do actually playing. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoy being part of it and seeing the interactions. Um, and I, I like it. I, I guess that's one of the things I enjoy about being a GM, is that the best games is when I get everyone all riled up about something and they're planning something you know maybe like a leverage heist or um my personal favorite was um i i got the players there was a murder caused by artificial intelligence who was going insane because it broke its its laws of robotics so it's freaking out because it didn't want to kill someone but it did and it caused the contra the loop and they're making the decision because they're out in the middle of space and they're like, okay, do, do we kill this thing? And it was my turn to go to Taco Bell. Um, so I left and they were arguing. And now <laughs> one of the characters, one of the guys speaks um, German and his character is in German. So he's always speaking in a German accent. And the other guy was um, speaking in, in Japanese. Now I speak a little bit of Japanese, but not a lot. 
And he was a lot of fun because he would write what he was saying in subtitles on a, on a whiteboard and hold it up. <laughs> and it was great. And, it, and um, his um, Japanese accent is dead on, is, is dead on. He spent a lot of time in Japan. So I go to, go, to, go to Taco Bell and I come back and my neighbor's like, do we need to call the police? <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on? I go up and I hear, and I'm like, He's, he's shouting in, in Japanese. And then mm. I heard something, and the, the other guy is now yelling at him in German. I'm like, no, no, they're fine. <laughs> if it was in English, I'd be worried. But, you know, <laughs> but because they were in character, both yelling at each other about whether or not an AI has a soul, I had been gone for a half hour. Yeah. That's awesome. That was awesome. That was awesome. Um, and so I love to try to create those sort of situations that it doesn't matter if I'm behind the screen or sitting next to the guy, you know, who's, uh, you know, about ready to, you know, jump and slay a goblin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. That, that's awesome. We've had, you know, with the, you know, strictly like Google Hangout games where, the, you know, Jim be like, you know, hey, I'll be right back. And you'd be like, okay. So we just, you know, sort of pick it up and start having a conversation. It might be, you know, like a roll versus roll sort of thing where it's not even what's mm -hmm. going on with the game. It should be like, oh, you know, when I was sleeping last night, I had this weird dream and, and whatever. And, you know, Jim would be gone for five or 10 minutes and come back. And, you know, we're still just role playing on, on something that might not even really be germane to what's going on. So that, well, you know, it's when you have a character that, starts doing something that is not what you had planned, but it fits the character, that's when you're truly role-playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, when I first started listening to the Dragon Fisters, um, and I'd emailed Jesse, the, the GM, and I'm like, what the hell is going on with your players? Like, you know, you're just trying to sabotage. Like, I don't understand what they're doing. You know, like, it's just the, like, mm -hmm. the worst things but you know character wise and story wise and everything was great but it would you know coming from a background of like all right let's just kill everything and you know we're gonna min max and you know we're gonna whatever it was it was a really interesting new way to experience a game to, to you know to have them oh, yeah. kind of doing that stuff well you know bad decisions are xp goldmine yep. it, it, it may it's um when you break the concept that I need to win this game and you change it to I need just need to survive and it doesn't need to be epic. It can be by the skin of my teeth. Oh, I lost. But if you can lose if you can lose that in lose that battle in a way that has style that the players go holy shit, we just got our ass kicked. You win. Mhm. Mm and that's and sometimes that's hard for some people to grasp, but um, oh yeah, the best games I got my ass kicked. Yeah, and they're memorable. I mean that that's just as memorable as you know killing the you know the BBGE, which you know you come to expect that for a while, and it sort of fades to the background. You just, we killed this thing, we killed that thing, but it's like oh man, you remember that time I was trying to climb the the gutter on the building and it fell and I fell on the ground? Like you just remember that forever. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing, is that the, the best role-playing will make a good story 10 years from now. Mm. And I killed a skeleton isn't a great story. I killed a skeleton by beating him with a petrified familiar cat <laughs> is a great story. 
Right. Right. I'll tell you that one later. (laughs) (laughs) It was the the club of many claws. Yeah. (laughs) That's cool. And like you were saying with with podcasting, like at at the height of my podcast listening, I probably listened to, you know, 20 or so podcasts. And, you know, you're sort of like – you know, whatever the basketball expression is, the the 12th man on the, on the bench or whatever, like, you know, you, uh, you know, a good podcast, you feel like you have a virtual seat at the table. So you're in on the inside jokes and, you know, you kind of follow what's going on with the story and you, you know, you get to learn the character. So you feel like you're a part of that. And especially for people who can't game, don't have a group geographically, they're isolated podcasts are just a wonderful way to be able to experience that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, it's like um, Steamrollers. Have you listened to Steamrollers Adventure Podcast? I haven't, no. Okay. Definitely do start from the very beginning because I actually found myself shouting in the car going, No! You can't do that! (laughs) All right, I'll just check that Uh, out. (laughs) Yeah, Steamrollers Adventure Podcast is good. Um, Let's see. The other one I got addicted to is... um, the archive or the um, archaeology podcast, which is Shadowrun, um, and I've been watching, I've been listening very closely on what's happening with Tiny. Uh, I need to catch up, but uh, I've been listening very closely to that. Um, and then the other one I got into was um, the uh, it's a Numenera long Longshot by um, Bandable. Bandable, yes, friend of the yes, show. Yes, I've been loving that one. <laughs> yes. Been loving them. Uh, they are they are absolutely hilarious. Um, I, I just I, yeah, just awesome. They're they're wonderful, wonderful role players. I've been listening to them for Jesus, probably I don't know. It's got to be eight or nine. However long they've been doing it, they were they were one of the first ones I started listening to, and they they're just wonderful, wonderful players. Um, another good one that I just I just discovered was uh, Dice for Brains. Hmm, I haven't heard of that. Just one discovered them. They're also really good. Um, I I was wondering at first when I was listening to them, like they've got to be actors. They've got to be they've got to be thespians because the role playing on it is just boom 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 boom, and then you're like, what? Oh yeah, they're rolling dice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, when you when you find a good you know when you find a good podcast, that's you know you want to you want to stick with it. You know you see the the players grow and the characters grow and and you know if they jump around like Fanable plays you know a bunch of different systems. The the long shot being you know sort of the break from the the norm where they have this one you know long campaign that they're playing now. And yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun to listen to. Well, that's actually in the plans for us. Um, we're gonna we're gonna take Starfall, um, and we're gonna be using Roll versus Roll with it, um, and we're currently talking about using either the D6 um, or the um, Cipher system, and so we're gonna start a an actual play podcast, and that's probably a good two months off. Because, you know, I first got to get away from boxes and figure out where I put my microphones. Um, But, or my dice would be good. (laughs) Yeah, dice are helpful. (laughs) Oh, my God. I don't know why my phone is jingling because 
Let me turn that down. Oh, and I want to power it off. Okay, technical difficulties. <laughs> I put it on do not disturb. I don't know why it's jingling. <sighs> well, I, you know, we have to have a podcast network. I'm just going to, I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I will definitely, uh, uh, once we once we do get something going, because I'd like to have at least a couple episodes in the can first before I publish um, or start promoting. Um I will definitely hit you up for that. All right, cool. Definitely uh, something that we can discuss off air for sure. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, what other projects do you have coming up? What other exciting things do you have going on? So um, after we're done with Roll versus Roll, um, we, we actually had a project called Invoke. Um, and Invoke is a card game which is not your typical spell casting game because you actually have to build the components of the spell. Hmm. Um, so the idea is that you're fighting over these stones and in order to steal a stone from someone else, you cast a card that says target stone and then move left four paces and now it moves four, four players over to your pile. Um, and then that person could say, interrupt or target current spell, move left four spaces, which now makes it so it reflects back on you and now they get your stone. And it's, um, I've, we've been play testing it for about four or five years. Um, we actually, we're gonna, we were gonna do a Kickstarter first with that, but we decided that we're gonna use roll versus roll as a test bed first. Um, and I tell you, every time we play test it, some player comes up with a combination of cards that I had no idea could be possible, and then had to think, yeah, that would work. <laughs> so it's um, it, it's not your normal spell casting game. Um, we use spells because that's that's a popular concept, um, but we've been also thinking about reskinning it for hacking uh, because it is more of a programming language, really. Um, and it's it's a lot of fun. It, it's a lot of fun. The we you should start seeing us talking about that probably August. Hmm, okay. Cool. Or maybe sooner now, since you've got a little bit. Uh, more maybe time. sooner now. Yeah, <laughs> sooner now. Um, it, well, we already have half the artwork done. So it's just a matter of uh, finishing up the playtesting. Make sure the rules are really easy to understand. Um, I want to do some blind play testing where we blind play, play testing is where we just send a print and play and the instructions and we just get feedback. Um, or I take it to a convention, I give them the deck, the instructions, and then I watch them and see where the where they they go. Oh, I don't quite understand this rule, so I can tweak them. Right. What's um? Is uh, there? Oh, go ahead. I'm going. I was going to ask you. You mentioned conventions. What's the convention scene like down in Australia? There. Um, you know how there's always a convention going somewhere. You know, in the states. Uh -uh. No. Um, there's there's like two. There's one in in two weeks, which I'm going to miss. Or I think it's next week, which I'm going to miss. And then there's another one, which is in um, Melbourne uh, once a year called PAX, which is pretty awesome. And there's smaller stuff, but it's not not as often. Hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I wonder. PAX just added another uh, convention here, Unplugged, in uh, Philadelphia, which is going to be more just board games and, and tabletop because their their normal uh, shtick is is more video games and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I think there needs to be more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yeah tons of options here for sure. Uh, we're actually heading up to Necronomicon in uh, August up in Providence, Rhode Island, which is a uh, Lovecraftian convention. A little bit more nice. of a literary event than you know gaming per se, but uh, you know it's it's a fun time. We went uh, two years ago. They do it every two years, and that's that's nice. that's a really fun convention. So, but but you were talking about Invoke. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> oh no, actually that was that was it about Invoke. It's oh, okay. Um, um, <laughs> Uh, the, though the interesting part about that Kickstarter is that um, the original artwork, the hand-painted paintings for the artwork, is going to be available as a um, as a stretch, as not a stretch goal, but one of the packages. Pledge so, level. Cool. pledge level, yeah. So, if someone pledges the maximum amount, they will actually get canvas, uh, a, a canvas painting of nice. the original artwork. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, there will be a limited amount because we've only got like many cards. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at some of the uh, some of the art as I was going through and doing my research. The the snail mm. one that was featured uh, is, is with the cool. runes. It's got the runes on the shell. Yeah, it's really neat. <laughs> nice Thank color palette yeah, that... too. It, it, the whole it visually is very appealing. Thank you. Thank you. That's. Um... <sighs> One of the things I want to start doing is doing art for other games. And in order to do that, I have to put my best foot forward. Um, and one of the things that... Um, it, it, doing these designs have challenged me as an artist because I'm like, I'm assigning my name to this in every shape and form. Uh, shit, I got to up my game. Right. Well, and the, and the nice thing for you, you know, doing your own games and being an artist is you cut out such a huge chunk of, you know, potential Kickstarter costs because you can do it yourself. Well, and one of the things is that my wife is a copyright lawyer, so um, we have a rule, and that is the artist always gets paid. And we believe in that all the way through. Um, so if someone provides art for some of our future games, they're going to get paid. It's mm -hmm. just the way it is. Sure, sure. And because her entire education is based on making sure that those artists get paid. Right. And so we're like, you know, let's just make sure we do it right from the very beginning. Um, and it is nice. It is nice that there isn't that cost because um, the idea of going and having someone spend hours and hours, like that snail, took me six hours to do. Um, that's six hours out of my life, um, which took me years to develop to be able to do that only within six hours. So that's a lot of work. And the idea that I might work for someone else and not get paid is just eh, scary. So why would we want to do it for someone else? Mm -hmm. You right. know? Well, that's so, cool. It's nice. It's nice being able to just pick up my own brush and, and just do it. Right. Well, then the flip side of that is since the artist gets paid, are you budgeting out an art budget as you're moving forward, thinking, you know, of Kickstarter to, you know, pay the artist who is yourself? So 
Um, one of the things that we have to do is based on production time is that I actually now have to clock in every morning when I walk into the studio and I pick up a brush. Hmm. I have to clock in now. My wife's requiring me to clock in so we can get an idea of what the cost is. Sure. Um, which now means I can't, I, I, when I'm clocked in, I actually can't goof around and, you know, hey, let's see what Twitter's going on. Oh, hey, look what's Facebook. Okay. Hey, look, here's a new podcast. Let me download everything and just pay attention to that for a while. I can't do that anymore. Right. You know? So she's taking all the fun out of everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. My my wife can make a my my wife. She's she's a blast. She can make a courtroom sound like sound like a carnival. She's she's pretty awesome with that. She's uh, she's uh, she's pretty good at injecting fun into things. Well, a courtroom is kind of like a carnival. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at least they are here. I don't know about down there. Uh, that we have wigs. Oh, there you go. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's wigs. So, <laughs> uh. cool. All right. I, I'm I'm just about out here. We're we're running, okay. We're pushing about an hour and a half, but we do have our final five here. So I'll run you through those questions. Okay. I know you're familiar with these, so we'll just jump right in. The first one is Star Trek or Star Wars. Oh, okay. So my first bit of, I've seen every, every Star Wars film in the theater with the original showing. Okay. Every single one of them. Um, in fact, I was told as a child, uh, Chewbacca scared me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. Uh, I mean, I was young enough to think uh, Ewoks were cool. Okay. So that kind of gives you an idea Ooh. how young I was. But, uh, <laughs> um, so I, I would say that Star Wars actually kicked off the, the love for it. Um, but uh, that said, I will binge watch Star Trek. Okay, no, that's fair. I, I saw Star Trek, or my parents, I guess, wanted to see it and drug my you know, five-year-old self along. I remember bits and pieces of seeing it in the theater with the speaker hanging in the window and everything and just being amazed by, by all that stuff. So yeah, I'm, nice. I'm in the same boat. <laughs> But before we continue, Tom wants to know whether or not you guys have kangaroo judges <laughs> with little wigs. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, we have kangaroo burgers. Those are really good. I have never had kangaroo. I've had some weird shit, but never kangaroo. Kangaroo is really good. Uh, the closest equivalent is buffalo. Mm, okay, I've had buffalo before. And, and by the way, a kangaroo can kill you. Just, just letting you know. They, they, they look cute and cuddly, they can kill you. Well, they get you with their feet, right? I mean, they'll kick the shit out of you. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, tabletop or video games? <sighs> tabletop. I love video games, but it's, for me, I'm a tech. I spend all of my time in front of screens. Um, I try to avoid that as much as much as I possibly can. So... Mm -hmm. That, did you do video games as you were, uh, you know, younger? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I did my whole, uh, you know, addictive gaming thing. I used to, you know, sell computers, and I had, you know, the Alienware, you know, beast, beast computer, and uh, you know, did my stint in WoW. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's uh, the problem is, is as an artist, 
time is my problem. I need lots of that. Sure. Um, and when I'm not, when I'm not, if there's not a paintbrush in my hand, it, it can just really suck the life out of me, you know? Um, so I, at least with board games and RPGs, there's there's at least a, a beginning and an ending within, within a, a reasonable amount of time. Whereas uh, video games, um, I have very strict rules. Like I play XCOM on my phone, on the train. That's it. Sure. I, I might do it to wind down at home a little bit, but it's, I try to limit that as much as possible. I, I used to do stuff on the on the phone, and I've just it sucked up so much time because every time I would sit down somewhere, I would grab the phone and I'd start dicking around, and I'm like, you know what? I no apps on the phone. I can't yeah. because, like you said, it just sucks so much time away. From, you know, you could be doing a hundred other things than playing, I, you know, I, Candy Crush or whatever. Yeah, well, it's like I looked at my friend's Steam, um, his Steam account, and I realized. Holy shit, that's four times the amount of the budget I had in hours I had for Roll versus Roll and all the expansions I could possibly think of. And that was just League, League of Legends. And I'm thinking, oh, what could I do with that much time? Mm -hmm. I unfortunately now have that much time, but... <laughs> <you know. laughs> sure. All right. Uh, DC or Marvel? Okay. Um... I like them both. Um, for the comics, I tend to like DC. And I like the DC TV series. I'm waiting for them to figure out this whole cinematic thing. Yeah, they're not doing it. Um, no, no. And, and what it is is that they've, they've taken... They assume that big names and um, look, we've got a ensemble of all of these characters, and we're just going to tease you that there's enough backstory behind them. Um, like I think Su Suicide Squad would have been amazing if it was another three hours long. <laughs> okay. Because because you can you can see that there's more story to each of the characters. They just never got around to it. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be a, a fantastic, um, like, HBO series. Yeah, I could see that. They're just not taking the time to tell the story, um, you know? And that's, uh, it's all about the story. Right. Well, as a wow, comic, should... right? Yeah, I mean, that's what yeah. you want to get something to sink your teeth into, where Hollywood is just like, explosions, action, you know, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, you know, CGI does not a movie make. Ask, ask um, George Lucas. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. We, those are movies we won't talk about. <laughs> no. 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 All right. Uh, Sci-fi or fantasy? Sci-fi. Um, I do enjoy my fantasy, but I've tried, I've actually tried GMing fantasy and it just does not click with me. Where sci-fi, I can come up with great ideas all day. Fantasy, just kind of... Uh, I, I can do, like, the hybrid, like, Numenera, which is science fantasy, and I can do Shadowrun, which is, you know, the tech fantasy kind of stuff, dark fantasy, urban fantasy, but I can't do full fantasy, in, at least in, from a GM standpoint. Um, oh, I, I, make a, I make a badass cleric. I am, you know... Um, you know, I, I love that. 
you know. But given my chance, uh, given the choice, I would I would go sci-fi. Okay. Does that uh, carry over to um, books and stuff as well, or or strictly more like a video game or a board game, tech, uh, RPG? Jesus. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I do enjoy a good fantasy, so it's you know, uh, I'll I'll take what I can get. <laughs> I'll take what I can get. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bitch. You know, it's like sushi or pizza. Oh darn. Yeah. <laughs> I gotcha. All right. And if you could have one superpower, what would it be? To speak any language. Hmm. Okay. Um, I, uh, I've been learning how to speak Japanese for quite some time. I'm at the point now where I can make friends. Uh, I'm now at the level of being a polite tourist. Um, uh, I, at, at times, I, I have to be careful that my pronunciation is, is getting pretty good to the point where I make someone think my vocabulary is much larger than it actually is, <laughs> um, which kind of creates some embarrassing situations. Um, and, but I've really, really enjoyed learning the language. I've, I've enjoyed learning that. Um, and just, just the language gives you a, a different insight on, on, on a culture. Um, and it's, uh, it's, there's, there's a lot of power with words. And I guess this is why I'm a GM is because I, I, I truly believe in that. Um, yeah, I would just speak multiple languages that there's just a lot of cool people out there and a language barrier, you know, um, I, I, I grew up in a print shop and the guy who was, the uh, he worked next door was a um um uh, sorry it's the wife calling um uh, let's just say that he had he was a doctor in in mexico but couldn't practice in the states so here was a brilliant guy he just had bad english so with that said my wife is calling i do need to go all right <laughs> Thank you for, for coming on. We appreciate you coming in and hanging out. And uh, we're uh, glad to help to promote Roll versus Roll and, uh, you know, get you out there uh, and, and get that on people's tables. You know, that, that would be a lot of fun. Um, in fact, you know, the more that I can get on other people's tables, um, the more I can start producing other things, which might be even cooler. Cool. Oh, okay, I got I to gotta get that one. All See right. you later. See ya. All right, there goes Kevin, and we uh, appreciate him having uh, having him on. Um, we're going to throw Tom's two cents in there. Uh, any uh, superpower he would have would be magnetism. Uh, so that's an interesting one we haven't heard before. So thank you, Tom. Uh, glad to uh, have you in the live chat again. Uh, Tom's becoming our stalwart uh, companion here in the uh, in the live chat, so we appreciate that. Uh, I'll give out all of our details here. Uh, all the details for Kevin will be in the show notes for sure. Uh, but you can find this and all of our awesome content at legendsoftabletop.com. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach out to us at legendsoftabletop at gmail.com. Uh, our main feed is over at SoundCloud, but we're on iTunes and Player FM and all those various places, whatever your favorite podcatcher is, you can get us through there. Uh, we're on Tumblr and Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. So uh, if 
you go uh, hit all the like buttons and subscribe and all those things, that's fantastic. Any reviews that you could leave are greatly appreciated. That helps us out a ton. We appreciate you checking this out, and we'll catch you next time. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop Broadcast Network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.